Welcome to Literary Guys. I'm Dr. Gordon McCallan. As many of our listeners know, we occasionally choose to read a short story or poem and then discuss what we interpret from it and what we see in terms of masculinity in the text. And today, we are going to be looking at a genuine classic, Rudyard Kipling's poem, If. We hope you'll join us afterwards for a discussion of the text. So without further ado, Rudyard Kipling's If. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too, if you can wait and not be tired by waiting or being lied about, don't deal in lies, or being hated, don't give way to hating, and yet don't look too good nor talk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make thoughts your aim, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two impostors just the same, if you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken, twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools, or watch the things you gave your life to be broken and stoop to build them up with worn-out tools, if you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss and lose and start again at your beginnings, and never breathe a word about your loss. If you can force your heart, nerve, and sinew to serve your long turn after they are gone, and so hold on when there is nothing in you except the will which says to them, hold on. If you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue, or walk with kings, nor lose the common touch, if neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men count with you, but none too much, If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it. And, which is more, you'll be a man, my son. Welcome back to Literary Guys. I'm Dr. Gordon McCallan. I'm author Zachary Kellyan. Uh, Gordy, I gotta say, that was an excellent reading. Just to kind of catch up our listeners, we were sitting here, uh, we recorded another episode earlier this evening, and then it is 50% off all scotches here at the Stardust Lounge tonight. And we were both kind of talking about, what do you want, what do you want to record next? Uh, Kipling? Does Kipling have anything good? And you're like, my, my dad likes Kipling. Uh, and then we realized we need to get some coffee and kind of tackle this somewhat professionally. And I thought you did a fine, fine job with that reading. Well, thank you. It's a piece that people know and mm-hmm. they've probably heard before. And, you know, who am I to think that I can add any additional value in an interpretation of it? But I think it is something which is worth chatting about here because it has some very interesting themes it's kind of a hodgepodge of thoughts yeah yeah. it isn't necessarily focused but there's some damn good stuff in there too and you're right as i was saying that this is a poem which my father had referenced more than Mm. once particularly the bit about you know losing all your winnings on a game of pitch and toss And then just kind of, you know, picking up where you are in your life and just moving on. It really is just kind of ingrained in our popular culture. I'm pretty sure I'm right about this. The line about triumph and disaster both being imposters. I think that's on the wall at Wimbledon as the competitors are taking the court. 
Really? Yeah. I did not know that. So it, it is one of those poems that I think we all have heard, we kind of know, we've seen reference. It's just interesting to kind of take a deep dive into some of these poems, especially this one, because it is about what it takes to be a man. And it really is linking both the concept of success to masculinity, which is something that we've talked about and has both helped and hurt men throughout time. And then also how a man deals with defeat, which I think is maybe even the more prescient measure of a man. So I'm so glad we got a chance to kind of read it and I'm looking forward to talking about what this poem means to us. Yeah, and I'm excited we're able to talk about Rudyard Kipling without having to put at least a few hundred disclaimers (laughs) on the content because let's just say it's more than a little bit problematic these days. I don't find this particular work as being terribly problematic. Yeah, I think Kipling is is a really good writer. You know, we talk about keeping the artist and the art separate. So I do think his writing stands up. It is nearly impossible to read any of his novels today with any degree of seriousness because of the the racial stereotyping, the ignorance to other cultures, the very colonizer mentality that Kipling and his peers had. One of my favorite discussions of Kipling actually takes place in Michael Odendante's The English Patient, where you have the Sikh character of Kip, who is scripted in the British military, reading Kipling to the titular English patient and just talking about how Kipling's even getting in the way of his own words sometimes. It is not a man who has dealt with a lot of self-reflection, which I think is interesting Mm -hmm. because that is true, I think, in a lot of the novels that he has written and even his short stories. But I think in this poem, we get to see some very deep reflection on life and what it means to be a man. And it really holds up as well. It doesn't feel like it's something from, you know, early 1900s. Well, I'm going to talk for a moment then about the part which I think is fascinating. It's the beginning of the final paragraph, which is, If you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue, or walk with kings nor lose the common touch. Yeah. I think that is just such good advice for anybody that don't think that, you know, your station in life really entitles you to anything. We talked a lot recently about privilege here on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And really, I think living those words that Kipling is talking about here is really recognizing privilege in oneself Mm -hmm. and being able to separate that from true humanity and being able to move outside of it. Because the ability to talk with kings, it's understanding other people's viewpoints. Hopefully that person who, if there is such a thing anymore, is like a positive monarchy or something like that. That you know, maybe the equivalent these days would be a uh, you know a titan of the business world. You know, I would hope that they would too also aspire to connect with the common person, the everyman, if you will. I mean, I know we have so many examples these days of folks who are not doing that. I think about Twitter, for instance, and Elon Musk, and not connecting with people despite everything that he says is contrary to that very point. But as far as then being able to talk with someone like that and being able to turn around and talk to anyone, I think that's something that we should all aspire to because it is a lost art. Yeah. And maybe even calling it an art isn't the best way to go at it because I think the only way that you genuinely connect with people is by being genuine yourself. Yeah, and I think there's this tendency to have successful people 
talk down to others. Also, people who feel like they're smarter than other people tend to talk down or talk very opaquely to others. And I've always thought the measure of intelligence is, yeah, you can have a conversation with one of the most brilliant scientists in the world and then turn around to your waiter and have a really interesting discussion about that waiter's interests in that mm-hmm. moment. I just think that that's really lost in our society, and it's an interesting inclusion in this piece. Exactly. No one can say we've lost the common touch. We're here on 50% off Scotch Night. We're not too fancy. There's some good scotch on this list, though. Surprisingly so, yeah. They really dusted off some bottles for us, which uh, was part of the problem in sobering up to get this laid down, so to speak. So you mentioned two themes at the top of this episode that you wanted to talk about. I know one of those is about loss and about recovery and what it means to face defeat in an honorable way. I'd like to hear more of your thoughts about what you think Kipling's really getting at here. You know, I think if I could bring another quote into this from the great Theodore Roosevelt, this is actually a quote that sits on my writing desk and I think really mirrors a lot of what Kipling's trying to say. Far better is it to dare mighty things, to win glorious triumphs, even though checkered by failure, than to rank with those poor spirits who neither enjoy nor suffer much, because they live in the gray twilight that knows not victory nor defeat. And one of the things I've learned as I've kind of come into an adulthood is that kind of risk-reward measurement that we all have to do. You know, what is our risk tolerance? Uh Uh, as adults. And I think a lot of people, understandably, decide to play life very safely. And I can't begrudge them for that because I think you are ensured that you kind of live in this like plateau where you're not getting super depressed. Maybe you're not also experiencing great highs, but it's safe. It's comfortable. It's predictable. And I think that there is a lot to be said for that life. But when we talk about success and the true measures of success, In your industry, the tech industry, my understanding is it's like a badge of honor to have failed several startups. Very well can be, yeah. Yeah, in in your past. And so that concept of, you know, win big, lose big, I think is a really interesting thing to kind of reconcile with as you're trying to decide what type of man you want to be. I think the tech analogy is a really good one because it is about the ability to take a risk, to say, I don't know if this is going to pan out, but I'm going to put my heart and soul into it and see if I can make it work. And in many ways, it's admirable. It's also in some ways somewhat corruptible. I think we look at the Theranos situation Mm. and what that almost like risk of showing failure of not being able to do the things that are described in this text really looks like. Like, if you're going to take that big risk, you have to be gracious about the defeat that may follow it, not just to yourself, but to others as well, because it's certainly not honorable to lie to others. I'm so glad you brought that up because that whole Theranos situation is fascinating because the lying and the hubris that had to go into that deception, that self-delusion that went into that whole disaster, and yet no one is calling out Elizabeth Holmes on appropriating male culture. There's a lot of bro culture that really is in that situation, and we could talk about that for quite some time. The book Bad Blood is an amazing book, and certainly go deep on that. The thing that really, though, doesn't add up for me in that story is that I think there's a big difference between talking about having a successful, let's say, mobile application, Mm -hmm. an app as the kids call it, versus lying to people about their health. Oh, yeah. And, And I feel like a line was crossed that 
yes, I think there are some things that transpired with Theranos that are somewhat acceptable in the software industry. Right. The kind of fake it till you make it mentality that some folks have, but not in the healthcare industry, particularly when regulators are involved as they were in that particular case. But to bring it back to Kip... Is that what we're talking about here? I think we started out, again, half off Scotch Night. Who knows where we we started and where we're going to end. But the... Probably both with Scotch, I would say. (laughs) There is a line that an if that really sticks with me. And it's, again, kind of mirrors that Roosevelt quote that I shared. Um, If you can dream and not make dreams your master is something that I I often think a lot about because I, of course, gave up a fairly successful career as a nonprofit executive to put all of my chips in one basket and become a writer. And am I seeing moderate success with it? Yes. But am I making the same amount of money and living the same kind of lifestyle that I had prior to the switch? No. But one of the things that I have to keep reminding myself is that the risk for what I want to achieve as a writing career, as a man, is worth living in this area of uncertainty. And it's also worth not letting my dreams delude me, not thinking, you know, hey, it's going to pay off eventually if I just keep trying to be a little bit realistic about it, to put safety measures in place and contingency plans in place for if that dream doesn't pan out. Because the world is full of dreamers, and you know a lot of them end up on Skid Row in Hollywood. And it's not because they didn't believe in themselves. It's because life can throw different things at you from time to time that has no reflection on your skill set, your intelligence, your abilities. So that kind of dynamic that Kipling's really playing with here is really interesting to me as someone who's taking a gamble in his career and and something that really sticks with me and I think kind of fuels me. I think it's a really good way of approaching this. I've seen too many folks who are just pure dreamers who have gone so far off in the direction of not understanding at all what reality still holds. Very seldom is that successful. Right. And, And I think he really has a point. I will probe on something here because I think it's very curious as we talk about both of these areas that we've just gone through is that you've brought up Teddy Roosevelt Mm -hmm. and he's someone who is quite a fascinating historical figure Mm -hmm. because the persona of Teddy Roosevelt is not the persona that he initially had when he was entering politics. No. He was uh, considered to be a bit of a stuffed shirt, upper class, pretty boy. Yes, he led the Rough Riders into battle, but he also commissioned Brooks Brothers to custom tailor their uniforms. He is someone who, you know, going back to this point of to talk with kings and yet still be able to speak to the common man, like, he is someone who really bridged that gap in a way that, I mean, to this day, very few people actually know these stories about, you know, who he was before he or people around him realized that that's not a recipe for what success looks like in this world. Yeah, you see these larger-than-life figures all the time, and we put them up on this pedestal, and we, you know, we tell the story of Teddy Roosevelt, you know, riding the moose, or, you know, Winston Churchill rousing England to victory through a series of inspirational speeches. But, you know, we don't talk about the fact that Churchill lost the next election and basically became a shell of his former self before Mm -hmm. he then again regained power and regained success. And it really does seem like some of the great quote-unquote men of this world have seen just as much failure as they have success. But it's the success that we remember if they use their success wisely. Got me thinking that one person who would really love 50% off Scotch Night, Winston Churchill. Oh, would he ever. Yeah. That's an idea for an episode that I have in in our future is uh, do we just drink 
a day's worth of Winston Churchill's drinking and see how we turn out. I've actually seen YouTube videos on this topic, and it's fascinating. (laughs) But it was mostly champagne, and I can't drink much champagne. That's That's our excuse. Yeah. Again, you know, belying his public-facing perception that he was drinking a lot of, like, whiskey and other things. And he did, but it was, like, mostly champagne. So we'll just default to a, a day in the life of Hunter S. Thompson then, because we no, also, no, no, we no, also no, have no, his no, drinking no. schedule. We may have to share that, that clip that you sent me on our Instagram of, oh, sure. of what the man's intake was. It was pretty astonishing. So I want to look at this poem here as we kind of wrap things up in a more holistic view. The ending of it I don't like. Hmm. Which is actually one of the more notable lines yes. from it. But it's so gendered. Like, it doesn't age well at all. This idea of this is what a quote-unquote man is. And I think on this podcast, hopefully, that we've established a lot that these things, this idea of masculinity and everything else, like, you know, we shouldn't be thinking about it in a gendered way. We shouldn't be necessarily looking at it as quote-unquote being a man is like necessarily a positive or a negative thing. It's thing. And that phrase is in many ways been co-opted by toxic masculinity, you know, grow a pair. I think for uh, yeah, yeah. lack of a couth way of putting it is very much at play in this. And as I look at this poem and contrast it with the way that it ends, I would say Kipling talks about so many just admirable things and things that are often associated with masculinity. But I don't think that in order to be an honorable human being and to be an upstanding human being that I think is what he's talking about here and to be gracious, that that's at all about masculinity or about femininity, that it's just about being a good person and that we should stop wrapping those particular ideals up with being a man, for lack of a better word here. Yeah, I think in that concept, it hasn't aged well. And then also, like, there's a lot of a man is successful, a man strives for success. And I think that that has been put on men and women throughout time, but specifically on young boys. And that's not always fair. What I do like to take away from this poem is that concept of how a man might handle himself in defeat or how he might handle himself after success. And I do think that that is something that we can define as being genuinely human and a good human virtue to have. Well, I think we're about to find out how we handle ourselves after 50% off Scotch Night here at the Stardust Lounge. So thank you for joining us in our discussion of Rudyard Kipling's If. would love to hear your thoughts on our Instagram account, at Literary Guys. And also feel free to suggest future readings that we may want to do that say something about masculinity, good or bad. Until then, this has been Literary Guys, signing off.